0: Their membership consists of Utah's outdoor manufacturers, retailers, outfitters, and guides. Member benefits include networking opportunities, recruitment of talent, and brand promotion. More information about volunteering and membership is available at utahoutdoor.org. On this episode of the Highlander Podcast, we talk with two recipients of the Utah Outdoor Recreation Grant, Patrick Kelly, Education Director at Stokes Nature Center, and Russ Aquina, the Director of Parks and Rec with Logan City. We talk about the importance of this program and the exciting local projects it will fund. Welcome back everyone. This is Chase and uh, joining me is I think our first recurring, well, recurring guest. that's not a part of our, our history series, but Patrick Kelly, the education director uh, from Stokes Nature Center. I think you're our first recurring guest. Welcome back. I'm honored. I'm honored. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, thanks, thanks for coming back. We, I wanted to have you back. Um, this is kind of timely because the uh, Office of Outdoor Recreation announced the grant recipients, and Stokes Nature Center was, was on the list. And so I thought it would be great to have you back, talk a little bit about what that grant is what the plans are, and then also just check in and, you know, first of all, you know, how are you doing in in the age of COVID and, um, you know, how are you doing first of all, considering everything that's happening?
1: Yeah. You know, doing well as can be, of course, it's been a unique for, for all of us in our different ways. And, uh, just very grateful for the role our whole community's played following public health guidelines and really, um, supporting ourselves through our individual actions. And so it's been really great to see that through our whole community. And aside from that, just watching a lot of birds, because spring doesn't stop just because society does. And uh, yeah, reading a lot, finding finding new hobbies, collecting hobbies. So it's been, yeah.
0: Well, that's great. Have Have you started to see kind of people itching to get more outside? Have you seen an increase in interest or people asking you, oh, what's what programming is going to be out there? Like, I want to get out. Have, have you kind of seen increased interest with everything that's happened?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think especially because when we were in even our um, more strict phases, like red and orange, the Utah Leads Together initiative outlined, that outdoor recreation when safely done um, with social distance and things like that is still available to Utahns. Um, you know, every time I went to the Canyon to get my own Joneses out, getting out into the outside, you just see just tons of people kind of rediscovering the amazing resource we have right here in Cache Valley in our national forest. And so the river trail uh, trailhead was always just packed Wind caves is always just, you know, a zoo. There's people parked all over the place. And even deeper in uh, to some of those more obscure trailheads, just seeing lots of folks getting out and uh, reconnecting to the National Forest, which has been a nice bright light during this time. So that's been good to see.
0: Right, I think especially for us in this community, um, you know we haven't been hit nearly as hard and and i I would like to think that that's because everyone's been taking this seriously and and taking all the necessary precautions, but yeah, how lucky are we that we've got a resource like the National Forest, Stokes, like so many resources that are you know for a lot of people five minutes away um, it's it's pretty incredible that we've got resources that are open and you know one, when, uh, you know, people follow the right guidelines and precautions, like there's a lot of great opportunities to get outside and, you know, don't necessarily have to sit inside and, and quarantine completely, um, you know, and, and shut yourself in. There's so many resources close by that we have, which, you know, great, you know, great resources here in the Valley. But, um, you know, I hope a lot of that bleeds over once we get through this. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope we see those increased levels of participation and people wanting to, you know, go to Stokes and and hopefully we continue to see that that trend just just keep going up. But,
1: um,
0: yeah. well, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the um, the outdoor recreation grant uh, through the Office of Outdoor Recreation, um, uh, through the Governor's Office of Economic Development. It was a mouthful, but um, <laughs> th- they've had this grant program going. I don't I don't know the history really, but the last few years. I don't know if it's been as long as the office has been around, but they've had this infrastructure grant program um, that seems like an incredible resource. And, and you all just received a grant. Um, Can you share a little bit about what that grant is and and what that money is going to help do um, up the, up the Canyon?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we're very grateful for the office of outdoor rec for everything that they do supporting outdoor education and recreation in the state. Um, and so, the grant we applied for, we applied with the support of the U.S. Forest Service, um, to install seven interpretive signs along the river trail and a trailhead kiosk, um, both replacing and updating some of that signage up there, and some light trail maintenance at those sign sites. So, the goal behind this project is to uh, take this heavily utilized trail that you know, Cache Valleyers and visitors use all throughout the year. Um, and really bring to those regular trail users a cohesive story of the canyon, the gateway to Logan Canyon that the river trail is. Um, There's tons of access points for a bunch of additional trails. So we really wanna front load people's experience with this amazing natural resource we have right here. So talking about um, the river itself, talking about the history of the National Scenic Byway and the Logan Canyon Highway, talking about our endemic and native species, talking about the US Forest Service and their multiple use mission, and how that benefits us, um, as well as uh, a bunch of other topics that uh, we're working very closely with the US Forest Service to deliver, and again, all contribute to this overarching narrative that frontloads people's positive experience in our national forest.
0: That's awesome. I, the, just where Stokes is located right at the mouth of the canyon, I think presents a really cool opportunity to, to use grant funding like this to tell that story. Um, do you feel like that has just been lacking prior to, to this initiative? Was there really any effort to kind of use this, this area as, as the place to tell that story, the kind of this larger story of, you know, this is your gateway to kind of a mm-hmm. larger world?
1: yeah i don't think that gateway story was really being told. you know there are some interpretive signs, but, but they weren 't cohesive they didn 't lend themselves to an overarching um, experience for that visitor and so I think by really bu- bu- by building these signs, we are able to tell that story that we tell through our programs, but you know we 're not always at the nature center we 're not there when people are on their morning runs or if they're going for a ski in the middle of winter, we might not be up there on a program with folks. So it's a really great way for people to um, experience it without necessarily having uh, another human being there who can present that story to them. So they'll be able to walk the river trail, which is very accessible, and start to understand sort of this entrance area and again, start to be able to Imagine what those further experiences are going to be within the resource. Um, And also making it so that they're informed going in, they start to look out for certain things. Maybe they have an eye out for our McGuire's Primrose and things like that. So I think this really benefits um, Logan Canyon as a whole and adds to the overarching narrative that stretches really millions of years um, with this amazing resource we have right here.
0: That's incredible. I I think it just, I don't know, emphasizes the importance of, of a lot of this, there's this knowledge out there. People have knowledge around the Canyon and the importance and, you know, Stokes has the knowledge internally. Um, but sometimes if it's not like documented and put in a form where people can access it, that knowledge just gets lost. Right. Or if it's just held within, you know, Stokes or at the university or, you know, whatever it is, um, you know, it's, it's not doing the community as much good as it could. So I, th- I think like institutionalizing that or, you know, putting it in a form, um, along the trail where people can access it is, is, you know, really impactful in, in the long term. I would think.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's always a balance between infrastructure and education. Um, you can understand something, but if the infrastructure is not there, you're not going to be able to act. Um, just as likely as we need the infrastructure for education as well. Even if it's just some fun facts, something that you can relate to that you start to derive even more pride for where we all live and how we interact with the land.
0: Right, so that kind of leads me back to the purpose of the outdoor recreation grants through the state. Do you mind sharing a little bit about the kind of the purpose of those and what they're trying to incentivize or encourage? Um, what types of projects are they looking for? Obviously, they were looking for a project like yours, but what, what's kind of the overarching goal of some of these, these programs and these grants through the state?
1: Yeah, so the state's been really doing, a, in my opinion, a fantastic job of supporting outdoor recreation in Utah, um, not only for our heavy tourism industry, but also for local Utah's, for encouraging folks who maybe are not working in that tourism industry or outdoor industry, but being able to provide that infrastructure to still benefit from our amazing natural landscape. Um, you know, the the Wasatch Cache National Forest is just such a huge boon, and I feel like it's an often overlooked aspect of Utah that is um, heavily trafficked by locals, and, but not necessarily by tourists and things like that, and that's not a bad thing, local Utahns still need a way to get out and experience the place where they live so that you know at the end of the day we don't feel that we're just living on a site but we're actually living in utah um, not just on utah so i think they're doing a really good job of encouraging folks to get out stay healthy experience where we live and have pride in uh, our home state
0: right oh i think that's great um yeah. I've been really happy with, with that grant program and and it continues to just receive more legislative funding. It seems like that pot continues to grow. And so it's encouraging to see that the state is able to fund more projects across the state every year. And and this is a you know, every year you you know, different communities can apply for projects. Um it's not necessarily a one-time deal. And have have you applied for any any grant assistance from the state previously? I know we've had a few projects in the county that have been awarded. Um, Has Stokes participated in this before?
1: uh, No, this was our first time applying for um, this specific grant. And again, very grateful to have received it and excited to get it up and running.
0: Yeah, that's great. Um, I, I guess how significant is funding like this? You know, when you have a state resource you know, um, there's a pot there that you can apply to every year. Um, how else would a, a nonprofit like, like Stokes get a project like this done? You know, what are the other avenues and, and how difficult are those other avenues to be able to get something like this completed?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the most straightforward avenue we would have aside from applying for these grants would be to go to our community and ask for donations. and we would have to generate this money from the community itself who also share these values who would like to see these infrastructure and education projects take place. Um, what's, you know, great about this grant is that it's the state of Utah saying, we also see the value of this project. We support the values of your community and we want to support having this heavily trafficked trail really act as a, resource further than what it is right now um and so if we don't receive grant funding it's oftentimes from private individuals um donating to a pot of money that we then would designate for a specific project
0: yeah because it seems like there's so many long-term impacts of encouraging building this infrastructure that encourages health healthy lifestyles right and and drives tourism participation recreation there's just long-term impacts that um, you know, you can quantify it. So it seems like a, you know, there, there's a good return on investment for the state. You know, if you can distill it down to just pure financial numbers, but it's also, you know, the right thing to do as well as provide this, <laughs> these types of opportunities. So I'm trying to think like in both those terms, right. You know, the state yeah. probably has to think both ways. They've got to see a return as well. And, and there definitely is in the long term, right. Just getting people outside and participating and healthy and, um, so it, it is good to see that the state's continuing to to push this um, this program. Uh, can yeah. you dive into a little bit the you've you mentioned the the traffic that that trail gets in particular. Um, what what yeah. does that participation look like?
1: Yeah. So the river trail is very heavily trafficked. Like I mentioned, um, we were able to utilize uh, Cache County partnered um, with. U.S. Forest Service and some other stakeholders in order to put up trail counters on the river trail, and so we were able to utilize those numbers that were shown there, correlate them to our visitation at the nature center, and be able to uh, determine a range of folks uh, in terms of gross numbers that come and visit the trail annually. And you know the number that we were able to drive was 80,000 folks using that trail because in the summer you're getting sometimes a thousand people a day are utilizing that trail and. Uh, ticking off that um, trail counter because there are multiple areas to park and access that trail. And then we were very surprised that even in the winter, sometimes when you have a really cold day, you'd still get sometimes 100, 150 people using that trail, whether it's snowshoeing, hiking, cross-country skiing. So because it's so close to our center, um, our main population center of Logan and Cache Valley it receives a ton of traffic and again, it's just that launching point, that really unified access point that allows it to have so much traffic. And so that to us spoke of just a really ripe opportunity to installing these signs and doing some light trail work around the sign sites that would have the largest impact on the constituents that use this trail and continue to use this trail, you know, rain or shine. So um, it, yeah, it's, uh, it's incredibly heavily trafficked. I was very surprised, um, but also reflecting upon it, I wasn't that surprised because it's like, oh, yeah, I have been out there in the middle of the winter and seen a bunch of people just, you know, with their uh, ice spikes on, still going for their morning runs. And so um, it was great to see that our Cache Valley residents and visitors are really utilizing that trail to its extent and uh, really enjoying it.
0: Yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned the year-round participation. Um we had uh, Gino Pearson from Nordic United on a on a previous episode and we talked all about um you know cross country and and all of the activities the non-motorized winter sports that they uh or the human powered sports um that that kind of falls under them and and I was pretty blown away by just the amount of participation Up, up Green Canyon, right? It's kind of where they pre- predominantly you know the cross-country skiers uh, spend their time, but you know that's you just kind of forget about trail usage during the winter. Um, and so this is a year-round resource that that uh, you know infrastructure that that you're putting in place, which I think is really really impactful. Um, you know we didn't even touch on on the value um, of of the grant. Again, you know if you had to go out and raise this money from the community, that's that's a full-time job, right? Like that's yeah. <laughs> finding that amount of money is, is difficult. So for the state to commit just over $12,000 um, to this project is, is really significant. Um, and I imagine a lot of that probably goes to a front. You got to design the signage, right? So there's some upfront yep. costs of like creating the content um, and then actually producing the signs and then the installation Um, Am I missing anything there? Is that kind of where a lot of the project costs are?
1: Yeah, that's where uh, a lot of these costs are going to, but the project cost as a whole is actually larger because we also had to demonstrate matching funds uh, from community partners like the U.S. Forest Service in the design. And so Stokes and the U.S. Forest Service are contributing towards the design out of our own pockets, and most of that is going towards Um, some of the illustration work that needs to be done because um, photographs don't really age that well and then also it's a lot more meaningful to have an illustration of a plant that's only found here used from a specimen that's only found here not sort of taking the few photographs we have and uh, throwing that up on a up on a sign and so really making sure that those signs are high quality. They speak to our local pride and the local element of Logan Canyon. And then of course the, the actual hard product. So getting the signs printed, getting them mounted, getting them secured in the ground, and then any of the light trail maintenance that we do around the sign sites to make sure that they're stable and they're going to last and that uh, they don't you know, come out during a spring melt or something like that.
0: Right. Yeah, that's... And I'm glad you mentioned the matching portion of that, that, that uh, you know, the U.S. Forest Service and Stokes needed to put up to make this happen. Um, these are big projects. Like, this is really significant. And, again, kind of the reason that we wanted to to talk is this is something worth talking about. Um, and and I, I really appreciate it because, you know, I, I just see this as an example of, you know, you're in a position where you're working with really large entities right the forest service being the big one and the forest service is so big um that at some at some point like they can't do everything right and that's <laughs> I, that's why i think yeah. it's really significant that we have a partner like like stokes um we have a community that cares about these these public lands um and ultimately it's like the community that can drive these projects and make them happen where you know, at the federal level, it's it's really different to like get to this granular level and and you know complete a project. I mean, you need the you know the Forest Service to come in and partner on the project, but I think it only gets done if if you have a nonprofit and a community that rallies behind it and and a state that has a funding source. Um, so it just really kind of uh, I think it solidifies that idea that you know our community can really take care of these lands or be a part of it and be a part of the process and decide you know, how, how we take care of them. And um, so I, I, I don't know if that makes much sense, but I, th- I think there's, um, you know, some real, there's a real opportunity there for us to rally around um, these resources that we have so close to us.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Lands management cannot be a top down endeavor from the federal government to the state government as a dictate. Um, you know, we're really fortunate. Our local um, Logan Ranger district office is Really, really on board with engaging multiple stakeholders, um, i.e., the Cache Valley, Utah itself, to really say, how do we recreate? How do we um, sort of, what are the multiple uses we have? And then how can we support those multiple uses within the framework that is laid out by the state or federal government? And so having that collection of stakeholders and Stokes being a representation of, the stakeholders along the river trail in this instance is just really beneficial towards the efficiency and also the impact of these projects and so again really fortunate that we're able to work with the US Forest Service and the Logan Ranger District Office who again are just fantastic partners and really have an ear to the ground for what are the needs of Cache Valley residents and uinta Wasatch Cache users and how can we support that um, sustainably and with a positive impact on our experiences.
0: Yeah. Well, that's great. I, again, I, I'm grateful for everything that, that Stokes does. Um, you, you all do incredible work. Um, and we're lucky to have Stokes in the community. Um, any last thoughts that you have about this project?
1: Um, we're just excited to get rolling. You know, we have uh, our ideas for what those interpretive signs are going to that story that they're going to tell that overarching story. And we're excited for this to potentially be a springboard for that story once it's established on the river trail to really start to pick up other projects at wind caves and jardine juniper um, just throughout our logan canyon recreation and multiple use areas so that that story does continue if we're intrigued by you know the flora maybe we do go see the jardine juniper or we go up to tony grove and experience those wildflowers so Really excited to see this project come to fruition and completion and have that positive impact.
0: Uh, do you have any idea of timeline, kind of when, I know COVID throws a wrench in, into some oh, yeah. of this, <laughs> um, but yeah. any idea kind of when people could expect to, to see trails or see the sign, signage up and running?
1: Yeah, so we have 18 months in order to use the funding and provide the reporting back to the state. And so luckily, a lot of the upfront work can be done remotely. So the design work, um, you know, figuring out the language, how much language do we use, what illustrations versus historical photos do we want. Um, So we have a good amount of time. And luckily, the the current situation does not necessarily um, truncate our ability to complete those upfront goals. And then the last practical piece is it's got to be thawed uh, thawed ground to actually put it in the ground um so our goal according to our timeline is to get all of our designs wrapped up by this winter um get production rolling on getting them printed um over the course of the winter and early spring and then installation next year once their ground thaws out that's the knock on wood uh plan and so we'll see how it goes there's always you know barriers that jump up but you know luckily we're uh we're a flexible team. We, we're good at thinking on our feet and our partners at the US Forest Service at the Logan Ranger District Office are as well. And so I think um, hopefully again, knock on wood, next year by summer, we'll have them up. If not then, uh, certainly the year after that spring. Right.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Well, uh, Patrick, thanks, thanks as always uh, for everything that you do. Um, and hopefully some programming becoming available as well, especially during this time, you know, are there some opportunities for programming? I know you you run all of the education side of things at Stokes. Anything in the works there that is available and safe for people to participate in?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So every single week we have our staying home at Stokes programming that we've been doing since uh, this whole hullabaloo kind of kicked off. Our staff was just really expert at transitioning over to virtual and digital programming, which very fortunate for that hard work. So that's available every single week with new topics for um, specifically families. We still have our Nature Tales uh, children's story time that's live streamed on Facebook Live every Friday at 10. Every other week we still have lectures that we're uploading to YouTube where people can continue to learn. I think this Saturdays is about fireflies. Uh, which is really exciting because in June, we also have our Firefly tours down at Nibley's Zone Firefly Nature Park. And so we're still running that event with social distancing and uh, congregation limits in place per the Bear River Health Department. And then aside from that, we've, you know, we're still looking ahead and we're designing all of our new school programs to meet the new seed standards and just, keeping a positive attitude, working hard like we always do, and uh, continuing to engage in our community. So it's not the best of times, but uh, we're still chugging ahead. We're still doing our work, putting in 40 hours and creating content that really shows our pride in Cache Valley and our appreciation for the natural world.
0: That's great. Well, thanks again for all that you do. And And, uh, you know, hopefully people can get outside and enjoy everything that you guys are putting together. And, and again, that, you know, outside, outside's a a good place to be right now, especially if you're uh, (laughs) staying, staying apart. So, um, thanks again, Patrick, for all you do and appreciate you taking the time.
1: Of course. Thank you so much, Chase.
0: This is Chase. And, uh, joining me today is the director of Parks and Rec, uh, for Logan City, Russ Sakina. Thanks for joining me. Hi,
2: Chase. Good to be here.
0: Yeah, thanks for taking a little bit of time. Um, You know, we talked about this a little bit off air, but especially crazy time. Well, for everybody, but um, for parks, I'm sure you're facing some interesting challenges. How's that been for you kind of in the age of COVID-19?
2: Yeah, (laughs) well, it has been interesting. And so we've been uh, learning like everyone else as we go. Um, As you mentioned, as we were talking off air, one of the things that we've come to observe and experience now with this uh, going on since March is that uh, when people c- can get outside, which they have been for the last several weeks, um, uh, outdoor um, amenities like uh, parks and trails have been uh, used and visited quite a bit. And uh, I suspect that uh, as the weather warms up and we move into summer. Uh, we should anticipate seeing more of that in spite of the social distancing and all the other good things that we need to do to keep ourselves safe.
0: It's, it was interesting in, a, in the conversation, you know, in, in this same podcast, we talked with um, Patrick Kelly, who oversees education for Stokes, and, and he said he just the increase in usage and the trails has been off the charts. Um, I don't know if he had figures for that, but he said, yeah, just with everyone kind of being trapped inside, you know, wanting to get out and use the amenities that we have, you know, has been all the more important for people. And so, you know, I, you know, it's probably for you, it's this, this isn't a good situation for anyone, but it's, it's nice to know it's, I guess there's the value of, of parks, parks and recreation, the parks that we have, um, Kind of validated in a way. It's like these are such valuable resources in our community. So, um, you know, appreciate everything that you do and in the work that you do to make these spaces available for people, uh, especially now. Um, but wanted to have you on to talk a little bit about some positive news that came out of the uh, the governor's office, the Office of Outdoor Recreation here in the state. Um, it was mentioned or that it was announced that um, that your project, one of your projects, got awarded some funding. Um, and, and through the Parks Department. Do you mind sharing a little bit about what that project is?
2: Yes, it's um, a pretty unique project for us as well. Um, this is uh, using the river system, which you know we don't have very many in Logan, so the Logan River as part of the city's uh, trail system. And um, I guess depending on where you go in the country, uh, sometimes these are referred to as river trails or blue trails, uh, and so the, the project that we had submitted, is, uh, submitted an application for to the Utah Outdoor Recreation Grant Program was for the development of the Logan River, the Logan River uh, from Rendezvous Park to Trapper Park, and on to a undeveloped park that the city owns the parkland property to out on 600 south in the Logan River. And the idea with that is to um, uh, develop uh, safe, uh, accessible access for people to make use of the Logan River as uh, a way to uh, uh, float, canoe, um, kayak uh, the river between those Um, park points and um, so part of this will involve uh, having to um, do some surveillance on the river Um, in talking with uh, uh, Frank how on this we're we're looking to our our partners um, uh, in the community uh, to help us with that surveillance The, the purpose of the surveillance is so that we can uh, then identify places in the river um, that need to be uh, mitigated. Um, And of course, this is through a permit that we've got to pursue with the the state um, to identify these locations and then mitigate them so that we can create a safe passage between um, city park points for people interested in using the Logan River as part of the city's trail system
0: it's It's an incredible project. The Logan River is just such a great resource for our community and i I talked with Frank on a previous podcast about this project a little bit or just kind of the goals of of making the Logan River a blue trail and And he mentioned most communities have some type of river in their community. sometimes it's buried, right sometimes it's it's out and and you know you, you can see it, but it really depends on the the city's. You know how the cities utilize that resource. You know it's not necessarily unique that we have it, because um, I thought it was. I thought it was unique that we had a river flowing through our community. You said, well, most cities have a river. Um, it's but it's how the city utilizes that resource, um, which really happy to see that Logan City is is really pushing to make the Logan River uh, a resource and um, kind of a jewel of our community. It flows right through you know, the busiest street in Logan, um, and I, I think. I think it's going to be exciting to see kind of the use of that resource increase. And I think people, you know, especially with the development that's happened in the Riverwoods area, which I'm sure you've been very involved with talking with them and and having them partner um, in different ways. I think people are starting to, you know, as they drive through, they see the river accessible and they see it as they drive into town and uh, they see people fishing on it. And, and I think that's, that's going to, um, maybe wake people up to this idea that, Oh, I, I can actually get out and use the river and it's closer than I thought, or, you know, it's more available than, than maybe I thought previously. So I think it's just become becoming more visible for people. Do you have any thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, it kind of takes me back to a visit I'd made. Oh, this has been some years ago to Renton, Washington. And, um, in the city of Renton, they have a trail that uh, follows a river that, um, I can't remember the, uh, Inland Bay that it empties to, but very popular stretch it runs right through the city, you know, underneath freeways and so on and so forth, uh, by Boeing, the Boeing plant and so on. But being on that trail, um, it just gave a different perspective, even though you were in parts of the the, the larger city, uh, as it were. Um, and you know, we have a lot of opportunities. Um, uh, particularly west of Maine, but as you mentioned with the Riverwoods project, you know that's a block going east of Maine to First East, uh, and we're constantly looking at ways that we can uh, connect parks with trails. And so the importance of that um, of that aspect is is always at the forefront of what we're doing with the city's trail system. You have to pay attention to. Uh, private property and private property rights. And uh, sometimes what uh, we work on uh, isn't going to work or may not work for the time being. You may have to come back and visit uh, that uh, sometime in the future. But these opportunities, particularly in this case with the the Blue Trail, uh, you know, this is something we talked about 20, 25 years ago. And it, it wasn't anything more than you Know, boy, this would be nice. And you know, here we are reviewing contracts now uh, for a grant um, to actually move it forward in, in, in the next two years. So, you know, um, it, I think a, a lot of value gets placed on and um, in, in looking at the big picture, recognizing that not all parts of the big picture can come together. At any particular time, but there are those that open up, and when when that does happen, it's important to be in a position to um, move that along.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's great. And I was going to dive in a little bit to the you know what grants like um, you know this Utah Outdoor Recreation Grant. What how valuable is of a resource is that to to a community? How unique is that to a city to have access to? that type of a resource maybe to jumpstart a project because these, these are projects that cost, cost a lot of money, right? There's a lot of value in them at the same time, but um, they're, they can be costly, right? Um, oh, how, how, how significant is it that you have, you know, a grant program through the state, through the office of outdoor recreation to encourage infrastructure development like this?
2: Uh, critical uh, to what we do, you know, there are, um, the resources for public use—you know, whether that's a highway, uh, recreation, or 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 otherwise—they're uh, always going to be limited resources. And so, one of the one of the most important things I think about the uh, outdoor recreation grant program is is that it provides opportunities to um, uh, uh, to match resources to um, then put towards you know, a, a, a large, comprehensive, or involved projects like this will be. And without that kind of program in place, those opportunities are kind of hard to do. Um, with that, you know, we're able to look at matches from within our own resources, but then to reach out to other programs like the Cache County RAPS program, uh, which also looks at outdoor recreation opportunities, and to uh, match to those resources to get projects of this nature done. So, in- incredibly um, um, important and critical to uh, to what we do. Without it, you know, we—I doubt we would be doing this.
0: Right. Um so I I should mention the value of the grant. Uh so about $148,000. Um that's that's significant. Um It is. What what does that funding go towards? I guess as this part of the the process, where do you see a lot of that funding going towards? Sounds like there's a, a lot of the planning stage is, you know, there's that Blue Trail plan is kind of in place. Um is this more you know, getting the shovel in and and labor costs is there, it sounds like there's some surveying that still has to happen. Um, What are kind of the next steps using some of these funds?
2: Yeah. So one of the things that we will be spending funds on, uh, we will need to prepare for the state water engineer's office, a permit uh, to allow us once we've done our surveillance to go in and identify these um, places that could either be a hazard uh, for uh, for water travel and having the permission from the state to um, remove and dispose. Uh, In order to do that, uh, we need to uh, put together a a strategy uh, with our other partners to conduct the surveillance, identify and uh, when Dayton was here, he was a big help in terms of kind of locating areas not maybe the specific location but areas on the on the blue trail system that we were going to need to pay some attention to so once those are identified we'll be spending some of the uh, grant money then for a uh, contractor or contractors to come in and remove uh, the uh, um, the hazards uh, once we have our permit um, secured um, Once the hazards are out, we'll spend some money on on the uh, um, ramps and accessibility uh, from the three locations that we proposed in the grant. Um, That's at Rendezvous Park, Trapper Park, and the um, undeveloped park located at 600 South and the Logan River. once that's done, then we've got signage to um, identify, uh, develop, and post um, both along the trail system and at different points of entry in terms of the park locations. Uh, and then uh, for the Six South Park, we have to look at um, developing a parking lot and restroom facilities because uh, for this particular phase of the of the uh, Blue Trail uh, will terminate. People can certainly go beyond that, but as far as this project goes, uh, the six South location's the terminating point.
0: Right, can, do you do you mind sharing a little bit about um, some of the partners that have been involved? I I, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, I know the, the Wasatch Group that's kind of doing the riverwoods development, did they help create kind of a natural um, drop-in site and so they've been helpful in, in um, you know with some of that infrastructure and some of the costs and, and making that section of the river available and accessible. Who are some of the other partners involved in this project?
2: Yes, so uh, you know as you mentioned uh, with the first east location there there is a um, there is a spot there just west of the road um, that um, uh, and really, for the developers, I mean, we appreciate the fact that they're uh, willing to allow for the public to put in uh, at that location and you know that that's a that 's a, a a great deal for uh, for the project uh, there's uh, a couple of uh, local businesses um, one is I believe is an outfitter here in town um, that uh, had expressed some interest, we've also had some individuals who have asked to, um, or were willing to support the the portion of the surveillance um, that is critical to to this project. Uh, We also have some um, partners whom the Logan River Task Force, and this is where uh, Frank Howe comes into play, um, or through some affiliation uh, with uh, with other nonprofits um, have expressed an interest in wanting to be a part of that. We're really hoping that um, that the expression of support uh, can come in the form of doing the surveillance. We know that there are people who um, uh, either uh, kayak or otherwise this section of the Logan River that we applied for And so we're relying on their experience, their expertise, um, those who are familiar with how the river behaves uh, between those points uh, in terms of how we structure our application to the um, uh, uh, State uh, Water Engineers Office for our permit. Um, There's a a lot more people that uh, know how the river behaves in that particular area than I do, and so we're going to be reaching out to them uh, to help us do that. And if folks are are willing to do that with us, certainly that too also helps the, the grant dollars to stretch a little bit farther, um, uh, because some of those dollars will be spent on some of the things that come towards the end, um, like the, uh, um, the uh, 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 access points and and, and, and uh, launch areas that uh, need to be constructed, and then also the signage that needs to be developed for the different areas that that are in there.
0: Well, this, this is an exciting project. I've always been excited about the Logan River, and especially now seeing movement and traction around this type of a project, because it really blends just the outdoors and our community together, right? It's the outdoors, isn't just up the Canyon, right? It's, and I think Dayton, you know, when he was with the, with the County kind of had that same approach, right? His plans always were, how do we incorporate active transportation in our community with outdoor recreation and trails? Um, and this, and this really embodies that, that idea I feel like of let's blend recreation and our daily life. Right. Um, which, which I, I'm very happy to see that the, the city is, is supporting that and, and pursuing that. Um, again, like congratulations on the project. Um, and, and I know it's really just getting going. Um, there's still a lot to be done, but so nice to have that funding there and, and makes it possible. But what, what are you excited about for the future of the Logan River? I know that the Blue Trail master plan extends further. Um, I know the priority is kind of the city center, um, you know those areas that are going to get the most use and most visibility and, and traction, um, but I know that there's there's big plans down the pipeline as well. What what are your hopes for for this project moving into the future once you complete the first stage?
2: Yeah, so you know part of the city's um, comprehensive uh, uh, trail uh, plan is to be able to extend uh, not only uh, not only. Uh, come to pass this uh, blue trail uh, system, but to uh, expand on the city's uh, ground trail system uh, as well. And uh, so uh, getting to the 600 South Park location is really uh, an important key to that. Um, The property for the 600 South Park was purchased um, back just uh, just after 2001. Uh, and uh, the purpose of that was that the city was looking to, again, connect parks with trails. And although we knew that there was a lot of private property between where we, even before Trapper Park, but now between Trapper Park and the 600 South Park, um, there are uh, still... Uh, uh, a, a property uh, uh, issues or a private property ownership that we need to engage uh, with uh, with uh, property owners uh, in in seeing how we can get from where we are now to the 600 South Park and the the 600 South Park as far as the Logan River is concerned um, does allow for another location for people to, in the future, navigate Logan, and hopefully, I mean, our our desire is to be able to reach um, the Cutler Marsh Marina. Now, that's beyond the city's limits, um, but we think we also have partners that we can work with. Uh, And so, again, it it makes the Logan River Blue Trail project between here and 600 South really important because there would be opportunities then to um, uh, follow that um, methodology uh, for, for extending that blue trail system in the future.
0: Uh, that there's a, there's a huge amount of potential around um, all of these projects. I, did, did the city acquire a, a piece of property recently as well, kind of towards the, the end of where the existing trail system is that, that will help extend that. It, am I misremembering some of that?
2: So the city purchased um, property um, which is now Trapper Park. So that's out at 1600 West. Okay. Um, The city has been in in conversations with the property owner uh, north of the river, north of Trapper Park. And um, that property owner, uh, it's a pretty large parcel. And what the city was um, pursuing with the property owner and with a grant from the um, Leray McAllister critical lands uh, grant program was to acquire a easement along the river to do two things, uh, at least two things. One was to be able to extend what the Logan River Task Force has been doing with riverbank restoration work. And then the second is uh, in conjunction with that is opportunity to extend the Logan River Ground Trail um, within that easement. Uh, again, with all about the purposes of, of reaching the 600 South Park. So, you know, those become other critical parts to future um, uh, outdoor recreation development um, for Logan.
0: And then I know one of the other moonshots is what dayton called it but uh the connecting um you know making the logan river accessible over or under main street um and i know there's some complications and costs and um some things that are a little out of control regarding that um that's a big project um any any thoughts on on that as well because there's that important Importance of connecting west and east, oh yeah, making the the whole river accessible by trail and you know through the blue trail.
2: Yeah, initially the thought was, could you use the existing overpass or the existing bridge, Main Street Bridge, and include a trail underneath that somehow or another? And so there there were a couple of on-site inspections and examinations of that, and it really didn't look feasible. Um, The bridge also had some historic significance to that, so there would have to be some attention paid to that whatever ways that were needed. Um, The alternative to that was possibly, could you go somewhere north of the bridge and tunnel under? And uh, so that idea was given some more consideration. That consideration ended up in a uh, uh, joint funding of a feasibility study, which is in process now um, uh, uh, with the idea being that, um, well, perhaps you could tunnel underneath north of the bridge somewhere between um, within vicinity of the, uh, the, the new trail alignment um, that's been constructed on the Riverwoods property and 600 south on the west side of, of Main Street. So um, there's more to be done, of course, uh, and we'll learn what the feasibility study has to say with that. We know that there's some uh, major utilities under Main Street as one would would, uh, uh, would guess. Uh, and so uh, once all of those figures come together, uh, then it'll be a matter of you know asking the important questions. Um, but it's so critical, in my opinion. To have a way safely uh, to move uh, non-motorized traffic, uh, meaning bikes and pads and uh, everybody else that would use a, a public trail system, uh, to be able to uh, move safely um, across Maine or under Maine. Yeah, so we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, I know I'm asking you some some of the big questions, and those are big projects for the future. Um, but. Great to hear that those are things that you're pursuing. Uh, that connection west to east, I think, is so important and something that it looks like you're you're really passionate about. And I appreciate. Um, well, I again, we'll leave it there. I don't want to take more of your time, but thanks for being willing to share a little bit about this project. Congratulations again on the grant and and uh, it's been exciting to see all the progress that's happening along the river. It's it's such a valuable resource and appreciate you making it more accessible and available for, for the people here in Cache Valley.
2: Um, Happy to be a part of that. Thanks.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll include details on the, uh, on, on the blue trail master plan. We'll link to those as well as our conversation with, with Frank as well. Um, But thanks again, Russ, for, for taking the time. You're welcome. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Highlander podcast. Subscribe and listen for more outdoor stories and content wherever podcasts are found on HighlanderMag.com and each Sunday at 4 p.m. on Aggie Radio, 92.3 FM in Cash Valley.